Welcome back, movie fans. Coming to you live from Day 2 Studios in Denton, Texas. This is the Daniel Barrios Podcast. Welcome back to the Daniel Barrios podcast, the podcast about the movies, Hollywood, film, and all that jazz, hosted by yours truly, Daniel Barrios. It is a sleepy Monday morning, July 12th, 2021, here at Day 2 Studios in Denton, Texas. I am tired as hell. Let me take a sip of Dr. Pepper right quick. Ah! Texan nectar, baby! Anyway, uh, welcome back. I'm very happy to have you all here, to have your attention and listening ears. Uh, Today is going to be an interesting episode because in the world of film, the Cannes Film Festival, the Cannes Film Festival, that's I guess what it's called, it's been raging on for about, uh, I want to say about a week or maybe a little bit less, and there's just a whole slew of movie news coming out. I mean, we haven't even gotten to the big stuff that's come out, like uh, Wes Anderson's The French Dispatch hasn't even dropped yet by the time that I'm recording this, and it seems like, okay, I'm going to talk about this movie, and this movie, and then, oh, there's another movie that's coming out, oh, there's a new Paul Verhoeven, like, horny nun movie that's coming out, and just, ah, there's so much news that uh, I'm just going to talk about the news today. Uh, to take care of some business, if you want to follow me, you can go ahead and follow me on Twitter at Berrios Podcast. That is spelled B-E-R-R-I-O-S, and then the word podcast. Uh, follow us on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Radio Public, Breaker. All the stuff is on my Linktree link. That's going to be included in the description of this episode. But I'm going to start off with some sad news. And it's not new news, but it's definitely sad news here. Uh, The passing of one of Hollywood's greats, Richard Donner. Richard Donner is one of those guys that if you're talking about the conversation of Hollywood's best directors of all time, I think kind of gets lost in the shuffle. But if you want to talk about somebody who can, you know, deliver the proper goat uh, filmography. I mean, the Lethal Weapon franchise, Superman 1 and 2, arguably some of the best, if not the best, superhero entries in the genre, The Omen, The Goonies, and one of my personal favorites, Timeline from 2003. That movie is so underrated and so much fun sci-fi, fantasy, timey-wimey crap. Love, awesome. A fuck ton of TV, including episodes of Perry Mason, Gilligan's Island, Twilight Zone, The Man from Uncle, with his wife, Lauren Schuler Donner, produced even more stuff, not only just his own films, but stuff like X Men, The Lost Boys, Free Fucking Willy. Like, without Richard Donner in the power that he had in Hollywood as a producer, you wouldn't have Kevin Feige. Kevin Feige cutting his bones on X-Men with Lauren Donner. Like, without, you know, that collaborative effort with uh, Richard Donner, that doesn't happen. He was known across the board from everyone who knew him as a guy who was just 
in love with films, in love with seeking the truth in a story, no matter if it's about a crazy demon kid or some kids that are trying to discover treasure or a guy that can fly. Richard Donner always tried to tap into humanity, and so I wanted to read one of the tributes that was um, written about him by Chunk, uh, <laughs> by Jeff Cohen, who played Chunk in Goonies. And I, I just kind of wanted to read this story. Dick Donner was and is my favorite person in the world. He is the best person I've ever known. He is remarkably talented, remarkably kind, remarkably loving, and as an artist, Dick Donner is one of the greatest film directors of all time. Dick Donner directed the greatest superhero movie of all time with Superman. That's the one that cracks the genre. You don't have Tim Burton's Batman if you don't have Superman. You don't have the Marvel movies without Superman. Dick Donner also directed one of the greatest kids' movies of all time with The Goonies. Additionally, Dick directed one of the greatest horror movies of all time with The Omen. Additionally... Dick directed one of the greatest Christmas movies of all time with Scrooge. <gasps> Additionally, <laughs> Dick directed some of the greatest action movies of all time with the Lethal Weapon series. What director can make stellar films in all those categories? As a human being, Dick was so kind to me. I'm an entertainment attorney and I have a firm out here in Los Angeles. None of that would have happened for me without Dick Donner helping me when there was nothing I could do for him. To me, that's a unique thing in our business. Dick Donner and Lauren Schuler Donner, because they were kind, paid for my college when I went to Berkeley. The story is when my acting career started to peter out, I still loved show business and Dick let me be a production assistant for him. I worked for him at Warner Brothers. When I was applying to college, I said, hey Dick, can you write me a letter of recommendation for college? And he said, sure kid. He called everybody kid. If you were seven years old, he called you kid. If you were 50 years old, he called you kid. He asked me to put some notes together to give him an indication of what he should say. In the note to him, I told him about my life and some of the struggles that I went through as a kid. My father not being there and other issues I dealt with. And he called me on the phone and instead of merely writing a letter of recommendation to college, he told me that he and Lauren had read my letter and they were gonna pay for my college. I was absolutely flabbergasted. I was shocked. I had to sit down because for me, paying for college was gonna be a problem. That changed my life. Not only economically, but it showed that Dick and Lauren believed in me. They believed in me. They thought I could do something. They thought I could make something of myself. That is Dick Tonner. Being kind, being empathetic, and not because he wanted anything in return. There's a quote from Ben Franklin. It is the height of cleverness to conceal it. That is Dick Donner. He was the smartest guy in every room, but he never made anyone feel less than him. He always made everyone feel great. He made you feel smart and important. He never needed to show off. He never needed to step into the limelight. He wanted everyone else to look good. He wanted everyone else to succeed. Dick's through line in cinema was verisimilitude. He could take the most fantastic, remarkable situation, like a man flying, and make you believe it. You will believe a man can fly. In Goonies, this fantastic situations where there's bad guys chasing these kids and there are all these booby traps. That could be ridiculous, but he made you believe it. He made you buy into it. Dick brought this humanity and understanding of the human spirit to all his work. This is how great of a director Dick Donner is. I'm a terrible actor and he made me look great. The fact that I looked like I knew what I was doing and looked like I could act proved that he was a genius. I love him and I miss him already. 
The world is a darker place without him in it, but his amazing films and his good works as a human being will live on. That is from Jeff Cohen, and I could think of no better tribute to one of Hollywood's greatest. Rest in peace, Richard Donner. We'll see you in the next life. I move on to the new adaptation of Guys and Dolls, this musical about gangsters. Uh, it's been a big thing since 1950 when it was on Broadway, and it got a revival in 92 with Nathan Lane, but it also had a film version back in 55 with Marlon Brando and Frank Sinatra. So Hollywood's been trying to remake it for a little bit. I think they even floated the idea of bringing in Channing Tatum and Joseph Gordon-Levitt to star. But they finally landed a director in Bill Condon of Dreamgirls and Chicago writing and Gods of Monsters directing fame. And I love Bill Condon's Twilight movies because it seems like he understood that these movies need to be absolutely ridiculous and the more theatrical the better and the more crazy the better so yeah bill condon's a solid guy i want to see him direct more stuff every everything i've seen of bill condon's has been at least interesting in some way shape or form so i am excited that he got the director's chair in this role uh, move on to Matthew Vaughn re-entering the spy genre with a new movie called Argyle, which is based off of a novel that is yet to be released, but Vaughn himself, according to this Hollywood Reporter article, has a lot of faith in it. It's saying he's reminding, he's reminded of the Ian Fleming books of the 50s, like this is the best thing he's seen since then. It says, quote, this is going to reinvent the spy genre. And for a guy who already directed Kingsman, who, which itself was supposed to provide another twist and reinvention of the spy genre, I'm wondering what's in this franchise, or soon-to-be franchise, because apparently they're ready to go for three movies on this thing. Uh, I don't know how you can add more to the spy genre that already is there. I mean, I feel like we're kind of oversaturated at this point with... All the new Mission Impossibles trying to one-up themselves in the stunts. And then you've got the Bond movies, which just keep trucking along. Well, eventually No Time to Die is going to come out sometime in the future. I don't know if that's actually going to exist in COVID time or not. But then you've also got The Man from Uncle that dropped. and just There's so much spy stuff at the moment. Hell, Black Widow, you could argue, is another spy movie, too. Are we going to get all spied out by the time that this is over? I mean... The King's Man hasn't even dropped yet, too. The prequel. Which is Matthew Vaughn's other franchise. But, hey, if the cast is any indication, this movie might be actually really good. I mean, you're looking at Henry Cavill, Sam Rockwell, Bryce Dallas Howard, Brian Cranston, Catherine O'Hara, John Cena, Samuel Jackson, and Dua Lipa, who's gonna make her, quote, acting debut. Uh, that's a solid stacked cast. And that might prove to be really good. It might be like a Knives Out ensemble cast type situation. But uh, do y'all think that Matthew Vaughn might be typecasting himself in this genre? Or is it something that you think he might be able to bring fresh new life into? I mean, Vaughn's style is signature. That sort of like hyperkinetic way of uh, shooting action. 
So maybe he's found something in the spy genre that he can just update and make fresh. Alright, going from there, I've got a bunch of trailers that came out. The first one I want to talk about is Val. Hi, my name's Val. I don't do this with every interview I go on. Take you inside my home. I don't. But I'm going to. My name is Val Kilmer. I'm an actor. I've lived a magical life. And I've captured quite a bit of it. Yeah, push the button! I was the first guy I knew to own a video camera. Here we are, filming ourselves. Uh, is that a it's video rolling, camera? yeah. Oh, that's really cool, Val. I have thousands of hours of videotapes and film reels that I've shot throughout my life and career. Shut the video camera off. I will keep it on until we're rehearsing. Oh, damn. I was recently diagnosed with throat cancer. I'm still recovering, and it is difficult to talk and to be understood. But I want to tell my story more than ever. I spent decades finding my voice. I was a perfectly normal person. Through characters. I give you about four takes with some different voices. Through movies. <laughs> One of the things they, they buy for all that money your life for a period of time. I have behaved poorly. Whoa, why? Whoa, Whoa, I have behaved bravely. Bizarrely to some. How do you heal a broken heart? I see myself as a sensitive, intelligent human being, but with the soul of a clown. Five, it's a story about my life, but it's also not my life. It's seen Val Kilmer collect a lot of documentary footage of his own life, of his time in Hollywood, uh, all the way up to him dealing with throat cancer. I'm not gonna say it's like a revolutionary concept to like mix in this archival footage that someone shot of themselves and kind of give it a documentary style flair, but Val Kilmer's always been an interesting guy. He's always been kind of like a weirdo, like a beautiful weirdo in Hollywood. And I, it looks fun. And so far what I've heard from the Cannes Festival is that it's some good stuff. So I'm excited to check that out. We got a trailer for Marvel's What If. Yeah, peace. I love peace. I'd be out of a job with peace. Do we know each other? Reality. Reality. It's changeable. Where you want to be? That's the question, isn't it? Every universe is different. Each one unique. 
down a little bit. There's a few people in the room that don't understand. Not me, I, I get it. Who are you? The name's Captain Carter. Scheisse! I am the Watcher. I observe all that transpires here. But I do not, cannot, will not interfere. I guess I have to freestyle then. Hey! We have you out of bird. A ravager never flies solo. I said never flies solo. Uh, is that some kind of catchphrase? <laughs> You had me worried for a second. Journey to face the unknown and ponder the question. What if? Basically exploring random scenarios in the MCU, such as like, what would happen if Peggy Carter got the Super Soldier Serum instead of Steve Rogers? What would happen if the Marvel heroes and villains turned into zombies? What would happen if, instead of the Avengers saving New York, it was the Guardians of the Galaxy? The animation's got this really neat kind of... I don't want to say rotoscoped, because that's not right, but it looks like it. It looks like 15 degrees off of rotoscoped. I just kind of like that sort of realistic sort of, uh, it, it gives the legitimacy of like, oh, I remember these shots from the movies. It's not like completely brand new to me, but at the same time, there's something off and just having that feeling of, oh, there's something that's not quite kosher about this is, uh, it's a neat little effect I love in the anim this animation. I will say though, some of these scenarios that I'm looking at are kind of make me scratch my head like... What would happen if T'Challa is Star-Lord? Okay. Um, I don't really know what you would do with that. Like, it's a... I guess it's a neat scenario, but what's the point? I guess we'll find out the point when we get there, but it's like, okay, whatever. And then the whole Killmonger saving Iron Man from that explosion that wounds him in the first movie. Okay... Uh, does that mean that Iron Man's gonna be a villain? Does that mean that, he, like a straight-up villain, does that mean that he's gonna fund Killmonger's war to, no. Because Killmonger was all about getting the weapons in order to take back Oakland for, you know, all his, uh, for all the oppressed people of color. Like, does that mean that Tony Stark is gonna fund it? Like, I don't really know what's going on with something like that. But hey... That's the beauty of what if, and I'm hoping that more of these scenarios are more like cosmic or I hope that honestly that the people behind this show have just trolled through threads and threads of Twitter conversations to see what lunacy we all have come up with. And that show looks like a lot of fun. I move on to Disney's newest showing, Encanto. This looks like a Latin X meet the Robinsons. It's about this family living in this the Madrigal house. I guess they're the Madrigal's uh, family. The house is pulsating and it's moving and it's grooving. Like even the tile is bouncing up and down. There's just flare everywhere and it feels like 
even when there's no singing or dancing, it feels like there always is some sort of beat or energy pulsating through the house. And I don't know if it's genetics or if it's magic at some point, but everybody who lives in this house has a superpower. There's a strong lady. There's one of the women that can like morph into other people. Like she can shape shift. There's uh, somebody who can grow flowers just out of thin air. There's one of them that can talk to animals or at least be friends with animals. And the whole crux of this one is that the teenager Maribel, played by Stephanie Beatriz, she's the one kid who, without powers. Mirabel, delivery! I gave you the special since you're the only Madrigal kid with no gift. I call it the not special special since uh, you have no gift. Uh, thanks? So, of course, every superhero coming-of-age thing has to have one person that doesn't have powers yet, but they're special in their own way. Uh, this looks like... This looks adorable. Like, it just straight-up looks adorable. I like the groove. The color's glorious. Uh, there's something about Disney's animating human characters that they all kind of have this aw shucks, like, round rubbery looking face to them they kind of look all the same now but uh at, at least just in like the shape and the body of the face in in my mind i don't know if i don't know if y'all feel that way that some of the disney animated characters are starting to look the same at least like in the face but uh i like that we've got a main heroine with like curly frizzy hair that basically reminds me like some of my cousins or some of the people that I knew from where I uh, lived back in Puerto Rico. But uh, the one thing I'm not grooving with is Lin-Manuel Miranda as a songwriter. And I liked in the how it's fine. be honest, the songs weren't my favorite part of it. I kind of like the world. I kind of like the acting bits. Except for Paciencia y Fe. That one, that, look, if we're not supporting Olga Meredith for a supporting actress nomination. We are doing the world a disservice. I don't know what it is with Lin-Manuel Miranda and his sort of like talk, talk, singy, rappy style. Just, I don't think I dig his melodies. I, I don't listen to a Lin-Manuel Miranda song and be like, oh, I can remember that forever. And so this constant infatuation that Disney has with them while they're trying to squeeze all relevancy and effort and work out of the man while he still has relevance in Hollywood is just kind of exhausting. Uh, I did see the Tick, Tick, Boom trailer, and that looked pretty good. I'll be honest, I really liked Andrew Garfield in that one. He has that sort of like manic, jumpy energy to him that I'm interested in. But I feel like that one's going to be more, um, that's going to be great due to the actual story and maybe the, uh, the guy who wrote Rent talking about his own life through that sort of musical fantasy lens or that magical realism of the musical, you know, the, the genre itself is inherently fantastical. And so seeing his life through that lens might be actually kind of fun. Uh, yeah, Tick, Tick, Boom trailer. That one was pretty good, if y'all haven't seen that. Ah, fuck it. Let me toss in the trailer for Tick, Tick, Boom. That shit was good. I'm 
This is the life of Bo 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 Bo. This is the life of Bo 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 Bo. This is the life of Bo 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 Bo. Bohemia. Lately I've been hearing this sound like a tick 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 like a time bomb Check Hey boy genius The fuse has been lit the clock counts down the seconds. That sounds great. Do you know how many Jonathan Larsons there are? One. The flame gets closer and closer and closer until all at once everything explodes. Before I talk about the Cannes Film Festival and all the movies that are in it and will be in it, we have to stop and announce the greatest news that I've heard since President Trump lost. My friends, next summer, Paddington 3 is shooting! It is official! We are getting more Paddington and the world rejoices! With a caveat, we're not getting Paul King as director because he's busy doing the Wonka prequel with Timothy Chalamet that's set for 2023. But he is executive producer, and the original production company, I think David Heyman Films, they're still within the Paddington universe, and Ben Wishaw is back to play Paddington, and you got Hugh Bonneville and ha Sally Hawkins and all these lovely folks from the first two movies that should be coming back. So... If you are ready to have yourself a good old-fashioned therapeutic cry and heartwarming fuzzies, it is coming your way sooner rather than later. God bless you, Paddington. If there is a king of the universe, it is you, you fuzzy marmalade fuck. <sighs> I move on from that to talk about, finally, the Cannes Film Festival which just has a bunch of movies from all over the world. And it's the big international film festival that meets in France every summer. And just anybody who's making a good movie just kind of drops on down. And then there are studios that are trying to advertise their summer blockbusters within the Cannes Film Festival. Like, I think this year was F9 that they just randomly dropped and were like, Hi, we're here. It's Universal. Hi, hello. We got John Cena and he's sorry about saying stuff about Taiwan. We've got some movies that came out and I'm just going to talk about the ones that interested me. Uh, the first one being Annette, which is directed by, God forgive me, Leos Carax. First time I fell in love. Woke up next to the girl. And escaped 
fast and far. The man has changed me. What I see in her is obvious. What she sees in me is... Hmm, it's a little more puzzling. Starring Marion Cotillard and Adam Driver. Cotillard is an opera singer. Adam Driver is a stand-up comedian. They have a kind of weird kid named Annette. Not going to reveal anything more than that. And this one's a musical. And for what I've heard, it is absolutely insane. But Adam Driver is delivering an Adam Driver's style level quality performance, from what I hear. And this movie has quote cosmic musical energy okay it's kind of mixed right now because some people are like okay this movie is audacious and strange and adam driver's delivering one of his best and some people are like this is 140 minutes and i'm bored out of my mind how but from what i hear apparently this is one of the first times in history that someone sings a musical number while giving a woman oral twice like, the first time I heard that story about oral sex and musicals, literally, this is the first thing that came to my head. Ooh, I'm about to die I move on to The Son, which is Florian Zeller's follow-up to The Father, and which I can only assume is going to be followed up with either The Grandpa or The Holy Spirit. But it stars Hugh Jackman and Laura Dern as co-parents of a troubled teen, and them having to kind of deal with the drama of that. I think this is based off of Zeller's own play. And that's kind of neat. He's adapting his own stuff. I mean, Florian Zeller made headway by <clears throat> basically being the Phantom Thread surprise uh, nominee of the Oscars. Like, Best Picture. And I think uh, you got the win for Anthony Hopkins for Best Actor. And I think he got nominated for Screenplay as well. If he didn't win... I don't remember. I think he won adapted screenplay. But uh, yeah, surprise entry into like the, hi, this is the Oscars. Boom, the father is here. And from what I've heard of the father, it's excellent. Unfortunately, I haven't had a chance to catch it yet. But uh, <clears throat> that movie seemed to be like a debilitating emotional gut punch of a human story. And so this one looks to hopefully follow the trend. And from what I hear, it's going to be pretty good. The Souvenir Part 2, 
a Joanna Hogg's sequel to her 2019 movie, which I believe is sort of like a meta film that's based on her life around college trying to make like student films or get her own film career off the ground and it's got Tilda Swinton and her daughter in both movies and from what I hear this has gone so meta that it's almost like uh, it's almost like the guy who wrote Rent and Tick Tick Boom like adapting their own lives through their memories from what I've read about this, it's pretty much Joanna Hogg trying to piece together the memories of her time and sort of commenting on what that life or what her experiences were in that point in her life through the lens of a much older experienced person. And that sort of like meta commentary on a filmmaker's struggle to make films about themselves and understand themselves through the work that they're making and explaining that through a film that they're making is just kind of bonkers and weird. Again, this is a movie that I want to watch, The Souvenir Part 1. But Part 2 came out, and from what I hear, the reviews are even better for this one than the first. So this might be the Godfather 2 of meta-commentary movies about your own life. Uh, Todd Haynes came out with a documentary about The Velvet Underground, which, if you're going to make a movie about the Velvet Underground, get Todd Haynes. I mean, the man made Carol. Do I need to say more? The next one I found was this movie called The Hill Where Lionesses Roar. Starring, kind of, and directing from uh, Luana Bajrami, who played the maid in Portrait of a Lady on Fire. A really solid role. And she's making this movie about three women who are tired of kind of like their plain old lives and they decide to form a gang. And it's being compared to stuff like uh, the Sofia Coppola movie, The Bling Ring. And that looks just, it looks just fun. You know, I like that actress in Portrait of a Lady on Fire. I thought she was delivering some like solid drama with not like much like, she didn't need to do a lot in order to make me really feel for her. And I kind of want to see her sensibilities. She's young. I think she might just be 20, if even that. And already she's got a directorial debut appearing at Cannes. So I'm excited to check that one out eventually and see what's going on. You got one called Nitrum, which is directed by Justin Kurzel, who did Macbeth. And uh, I think the true history of the Kelly gang. And he also did Assassin's Creed, but we don't really talk about that. When he was a little boy, we used to play a game at the fabric shop in town. He'd go off and hide in all the big, tall rolls of fabric, and then I'd try and find it. He loved it. I loved it. <laughs> but then this one day, I went to find him, and he wasn't there. everywhere. Not in the silks, not in the cottons. Ran into all the shops. Strangers were stopping to help me. Tears streaming down my face. What did you do? I gave up and went back to the car. But then... I heard someone laughing. A 
I looked around, and there he was. Lying on the floor of the back seat, looking up at me, laughing. Laughing at my pain. Laughing like it was the funniest thing in the world. And this one is about the 1996 Port Arthur Massacre in Tasmania, where a guy killed, I believe, 35 people, and through that led the nation of Australia to establish strict gun reform laws, and yeah, now there's no more gun deaths in Australia. Huh. It seems like if your government, I don't know, takes steps to actually help people, it helps people. Yeah, this one's got Caleb Landry Jones in it from, I mean, Three Billboards and The Florida Project and Get Out fame. Like, Caleb Landry Jones is just one of those guys that's, whenever he's in a movie, he's going to do great in that movie. And then Essie Davis from uh, The Babadook and from last year's Baby Teeth. And yeah, they're acting for Justin Curzel, and I'm hoping Justin Curzel, who delivered a Stunner of a motherfucker with Macbeth. That movie is one of my favorite, like, looking movies. Like, the way that movie looks is one of my favorites of the last decade. That movie's just chef's kiss. But uh, I'm hoping that movie's gonna be any good. Interesting about this one is apparently there's no visible violence. So you're gonna tell a story about gun reform without actually showing the violence itself. I kind of want to see how they carry that sort of tension and momentum along. I move on to Stillwater a movie directed by Todd McCarthy, the guy who did Spotlight. And speaking of the guy who did Spotlight, he got his cinematographer, Masanobu Takayanagi. I don't know, I, I love Takayanagi's way of just entrenching you into the setting and really building an atmosphere around the locales. And so this one takes place in Russia, where this kind of Trumpy guy, played by Matt Damon, this uh, Trump supporter dude, goes over to help uh, break his daughter out of jail. The day you left for Marseille, I drove to the airport. I went to the gift shop and I saw this necklace. It was gold, it said Stillwater on it. I thought it'd be a little piece of home to take with you. Some folks are born made to wear the fly. You're in Marseille for vacation? Yeah, I'm visiting my daughter. You're the father of the girl, the, the American student? Yes, ma'am. Allison came here for college, and that's where she met this girl, Lena. One night she found Lena dead and called the police. All they cared about was Allison sleeping with some Arab girl. I loved her. I know you did. But everybody thinks that I killed her. We have exhausted every possible legal action. Is the lawyer not helping you? I'm doing it myself for now. I could help. What's your name? Maya. Maya. Oh, that's nice. She's very protective with me. You seen that guy before? No one would talk to you, trust me. I'm not from here. 
It's not safe for you. She's my little girl. Dad, please. I'm not going to give up. It will be a serious mistake to commit a crime to prove your daughter innocent. It will not get her out of jail. And it will send you in. Lord, please keep a watchful eye on Allison. Amen. Police. Did you ask her to lie? I'm trying to get my little girl out of jail. That's all I give a damn about. You sound very American right now. Good, I am. Yeah, and you're also a stranger here. What did you do? You just have to trust me. I don't know how that's going to turn out, but from what I hear, Can gave the movie one of its many standing ovations for five minutes and made Matt Damon cry. So, hey, that one looks to be good, too. The next movie is by Andrea Arnold, who did, I believe, American Honey, and then she was also on Big Little Lies Season 2. But this documentary is called Cow. It's about a cow. From birth to death it's the life of a cow who lives on a farm and is used for milk and i'm assuming eventually for beef from what i've heard of this film it will make you empathize and sympathize with a cow in a way that no PETA advertisement or disney movie ever could and so i'm interested i like driving past cows when i'm going to work they're always kind of cute Especially when they're cuddling under a tree in the hot summer morning. I think that's adorable. So yeah, cow. I'm, I'm going to watch it. And then I finally end with the movie that I think everybody's talking about, which is After Yang, which stars Colin Farrell and Jodie Turner-Smith. Uh, Jodie Turner-Smith from Queen and Slim fame and Colin Farrell from, you know, everything. It's directed by Kogo Nada. And it's an artificial intelligence story in a world where people buy android siblings for their children. And what happens when that android sibling dies? I think they said dies. But in my brain, it's like, well, when your android sibling, I guess, falls down the stairs and breaks, you know. How do people handle that? Because... I guess in this story, Colin Farrell and Jodie Turner-Smith have adopted a daughter, and they've given her an android sibling, and so I guess it's kind of debating, or at least taking a look into what makes us connect to each other as sentient beings, What do, where do we recognize personality, like what makes humans humans outside of the flesh and bone, and would the flesh and bone easily be replaced with silicon and steel? You know, stuff like that. For everybody I've heard, this is the movie to watch at the festival so far. The one that hasn't, you know, already been hyped up to hell. Like Wes Anderson's The French Dispatch or whatever. But uh, yeah, After Yang, I hear, is really, really good. And I'm excited to check that out. I think one reviewer compared it to uh, Ex Machina. Like, it's the best AI movie since Ex Machina. And Ex Machina is one of the best movies I saw last decade. So, hey, this movie's probably going to be good, too. You know what? Do we talk about the Paul Verhoeven horny lesbian nun movie? Of course we will. Benendetta, 
That movie came out. Someone said it was the best Catholic movie or best movie about Catholicism since Scorsese's Silence, which I'm interested in. Some people are saying that, of course, since it's a, Ver- a Verhoeven movie, it's racy and provocative and sometimes without a point, like it's a little bit more exploitation than it actually is revelatory. But hey, it's Verhoeven. He hasn't made a movie that's missed for me, so I'm going to watch it. So if you listen till the end, thank you very much for listening to the Daniel Barrios podcast. Uh, again, I'm going to plug my Twitter, at Barrios Podcast, if you want to talk to me in any capacity, shape, or form. Leave me your movie recommendations. I've got the recommendation stockpile building so I can talk about stuff that y'all tell me to watch in future episodes. It doesn't matter if I've seen the movie before. I will re-watch it and find something new to talk about. And let me know why you love these movies. If you feel... Like, there's a movie that you love that nobody else loves, then toss it on there. If there's a movie you want to rant about because you hate it, talk about it. If there's a movie that's changed your life and you want to hear somebody else talk about it, then by God, drop me a recommendation. I'm going to leave you with some dulcet tones for your ears. Uh, I haven't actually figured out what I want to do. (laughs) Okay, you know what? I'm going to do this one. Uh, This one comes from a TikToker is kind of a reductive way to say it, but that's where I saw her is on TikTok. Her name is Sad Alex. She makes sad indie pop music, but this song is hilarious. Uh, It's called IBTC, and I'm not going to explain any more than that, but just so you know, this, this is one of my favorite songs of the year. So until next time, take care of yourself, take care of each other, take care of the movies, physical media, forever. He wants a ticket to the itty bitty titty committee He's got an itch with these mosquito bites He thinks I'm so pretty I got some brains, I got some eyes He like it like that He don't need no double D's for that D He wants a ticket to the IBTC See it in his eyes when I'm riding Tits are just as fun when they're fun sized Especially with a dog truck right behind I can be the best, make him want more Even when my chest is a backboard I'm every woman in me and do it naturally I can tell so easily he wants a ticket to the itty bitty titty committee He's got an itch with these mosquito bites He thinks I'm so pretty I got some brains, I got some eyes He like it like that He don't need no double D's for that D